1: Pacer fans, welcome back to another episode of the Point Guard Chronicles. I'm your host, Alex Golden. We are on week two of this. This is our final week. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Keith Smith about Terry Rozier. Keith works for Yahoo Sports. He does the front office show, and he also covers the Celtics for Celtics blog. So he really gives us some good insight on the player that is Scary Terry. Now, whether you're on the fence, whether you love him, whether you hate him, well, I encourage you to sit back, relax for the next 18 minutes, and get to know Terry Rozier better with Keith Smith. Pacer fans, welcome back to another episode of the Point Guard Chronicles here on PacersTalk.net. I'm your host, Alex Golden. You can follow me on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. The man joining me right now needs no introduction, works for Yahoo Sports and the Celtics blog. It's my man, Keith Smith. Keith,
2: what's going on? Hey man, how are you? Hope you're uh you're recovered from the from the playoffs and gearing up for the off season.
1: Yes, we are. We are putting that sweep right behind us. Thanks for the reminder. Uh yeah. <laughs> but no, I do I, I do think that the Pacers uh have a really intriguing off season ahead of them. Forty five million dollars roughly to spend this summer and see what they can do. They have a lot of free agents though, so they're not necessarily gonna be big spenders, but they have a little bit of money to Wiggle around with. So, we're going to talk about a restricted free agent on the Boston Celtics that went around today on all forms of uh, TV, uh, whether it was ESPN's, Get Up, First Take, all those fun shows. Kind of just saying that he's ready to look forward to a new home next year and not necessarily uh, specified which one he wanted to go to, but he is intriguing. He's a point guard. It's Terry Rozier, Keith. So many people have different thoughts about Terry Rozier. What are your overall thoughts of Rozier as a basketball player? You
2: know, I think you have to be really careful if you consider him to be a point guard in the pure sense of the position because he's absolutely not that. He's not really a playmaker. He is more of a shoot-first guy that that by no means am I saying that means he's selfish because lots of guys have been shoot-first but aren't selfish players. He's just not your pure point guard in the sense of a guy who's going to get the ball, bring the ball up, get you into your sets, run, pick, and roll, and do those kind of things. He's more the kind of guy who's going to bring it up, get himself into a good look or pass it off, look to get it back to get into a good look. So, so that's the big thing. I always caution when people look at it and say, well, he's a point guard. Well, he's point point guard size. He can defend point guards quite well, but if you're looking for pure point guard play, that's not exactly what Terry Rozier is.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I guess necessarily like the Pacers don't need a, a point guard, maybe just another guard on the backcourt to go with Oladipo because Oladipo does uh, seem to use the ball quite a bit with, or run the offense with the ball in his hands. So, do you think Rozier would be a good fit with Oladipo?
2: Well, so that that's a. Good question because I think you defensively, absolutely. I think they have the potential to be one of the better defensive backcourts together. It's, it's one of those things with Roger where I think he's even become a little underrated defensively because he really will get after guys. He'll challenge guys. He'll, you know, do a lot of things. I think this past season as his own offense suffered some, his defense fell off a little bit and that, you know, kind of the story of the Celtics as a whole, their, their offense struggled and then their defense went out the window as we saw as the Milwaukee Bucks absolutely destroyed them in the second round of the playoffs. But but to go back to Rozier, the challenge, I think, becomes offensively because in order for him to be successful playing off the ball, he needs to knock down shots at a better clip than he has uh, last season and really in the first two years of his career. And if he's not going to do that, that makes it really tough. And then you'll, I, my, my fear would be what you would start to see him, what would drive Pacers fans absolutely bonkers is – why is Oladipo not getting touches? Why is he not running plays? Why is he not running the offense? Get the ball out of Rogier's hands, and that becomes a really tough challenge because we saw that several times the last couple of seasons with, with Rozier, with the Celtics.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, and I've, and I just, I love listening to people talk about him, whether it's Boston fans or Boston guys covering the team saying he's not that good, he's overrated, or I've heard Terry Rozier is a meme. I've heard people say that before as well. <laughs> so it's just, uh, I'm just not really sure what to feel from him because if you look at last year's playoffs, and I know everybody brings this up, 18 points, close to 18 points, five assists, five rebounds, those are really good numbers for a starting guard on a team that made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And he's young and he's got room to improve, I still think. So this is kind of what intrigues me as someone that's looking at someone uh, to upgrade the backcourt over a Darren Collison type player. But then you look at his averages throughout the other seasons where it's just not very good. So what was the difference, I guess I should ask, between the playoffs last year and just him throughout the regular season as as a backup guard?
2: Well, so yeah, the first is obviously that he started, right? He started for that entirety of that playoff run for the Celtics. And the beginning of that run, the first handful of games against the Bucks in the first round, he was really the only point guard on the roster. Their backup point guard, believe it or not, was really Al Horford because – Marcus Smart was injured. Kyrie Irving was obviously out for the season at that point. And they just didn't really have anybody else. Shane Larkin was dealing with some injuries as well. So Horford did a lot of the backup playmaking. They played a lot of minutes in that series against the Bucs without a point guard on the floor. So, so Rogier getting, you know, 36 minutes per game, which was really double anything he had ever seen previous before that and getting all the touches he really wanted, I think allowed him to play with a lot of confidence of, I'm going to be in here. I'm the guy. I'm going to do this. Now you look at it though. He wasn't, while the numbers were good, his efficiency really wasn't great. Shot only just over 40% from the field in the playoffs, 30, just under 35% from three. That's not, you know, too good. His assists were way up 5.7. That is pretty good. You know, 1.3 steals, which is really good in the playoffs. And then, you know, one of the things that I neglected to mention before, he may be one of the best rebounders for his size that I've ever seen in the NBA. He just absolutely gets up off the floor like a pogo stick. And then he's really tough. He's not he's not scared at all to get in there and get in the mix. He's a guy who I think with if if you could give him thirty-five minutes a night, you're gonna get five, six rebounds a game out of him and probably the occasional triple-double just because because of the fearlessness he'll play with. But but that's I think the biggest thing he had that confidence confidence of this is th- these are all the mi- I'm going to get all the minutes I can handle. I'm going to do my thing and that's what really allowed him to be, you know, the player that he was in the playoffs versus, you know, his, his first year, he kind of threw that away. It was a throwaway rookie year. He didn't get very many very many minutes. When he mm-hmm. did play, second year started to come into his own. Third year, that's when that playoff blossoming happened. And then this year was really tough on him and he really took a big step back.
1: So, do you think that he's best suited off the bench or do you think he could be a starter in this league?
2: Yeah, if he's going to be a starter, he's going to be a low-end starter. I don't think you can rely on him to kind of confidently be a guy who's who's going to really be – you know, somebody you're gonna look to to be in the top half of starting point guards. I know that was that's kind of been bandied about. A couple of, you know, prominent media guys have said things along the line of he's better than half the starting guards in the league. That that just never rang true to me, even, you know, covering him really now for his entire career so far to this point. So so I don't know that I agree with that. I think he'd be a low end starter. I think, you know, what you're looking for with Terry Rozier is he should be coming in and kind of playing, especially if he can get his shooting up up to a more respectable amount he can be a better defensive version slightly lesser offensive version of guys like lou williams or jordan clarkson which is again that's not a bad thing you know those guys are gonna have you know williams has obviously had a fantastic career and is probably going to continue to be a really good player for a long time clarkson's been a productive guy for a number of years now and that's where i really see roger in that kind of score first uh mold he's not as good as those guys offensively again because he doesn't shoot it quite as well but he can be a better defensive player than either one of them, which I think helps even out that balance a little bit.
1: So for the Boston Celtics, obviously,
2: questions are whether Horford
1: comes back, whether Kyrie comes back, whether they trade for Davis. There's a lot at stake right now for this Boston Celtics team. Do they bring Terry Rozier back? Do they match any restricted offers? If it's you know if it's a price they feel comfortable with, do you think that they're willing to you know bring him back, or do you think his time in Boston is over?
2: Yeah, well, you mentioned it off the jump. I think he might have changed some things here yeah. over the last couple of uh the last day here or so I, I think his um you know com- comments here about you know uh maybe if the celtics run things back i don't want to be back and maybe i do need to go somewhere else and he's looking for a bigger role he made all those things very clear and, not, and and i don't fault him for some of the things that he said today because i think those are fair you know young players should want a bigger role he got that taste of being a starter i i'm never going to fault the guy for that but where i do fault is you know him kind of coming up and saying, you know, we didn't. We do one thing in practice and then go do a different thing in games. And really start, you know, kind of kind of coming up with these things too that just weren't true. Of I didn't touch the ball enough when he was second on the team in front court touches, which is, you know, your your point guard and your backup point guard are probably always going to be your top two guys in touches. But front court touches are really, what really matter because that's saying, you know, did you get the ball back after you gave it away? And and Rozier was way way up the list, you know, on those touches. So I think that's you know kind of there. He mentioned, you know, I would play with Kyrie Irving and Gordon. And hayward and i just stand in the corner and that was never really true especially when he was out there with just hayward that that didn't really happen so so i start to wonder how realistic this guy is so tim now that's a whole lot of not answering your questions so i'll actually answer it <laughs> um you know what is what is um it, my my answer would have been i think boston's priority is obviously to do what they can to retain kyrie irving despite the way the season ended in disappointment i think they'd like to have him back and at that point bringing Rozier back, that was going to be just be a really expensive luxury. And I think they were going to look to say, all right, well, somebody's got to go. We're going to, you know, he, he's going to go better for him. I think, you know, Better for him, better for us, better for all these other reasons. Then I think next was if Kyrie leaves, well then that changes the math a little of well, you know, maybe we keep Terry Rogier around and between him and Marcus Smart, we can cobble together a pretty good point guard and feel pretty good about things. After today, I think there's a high likelihood that it's it's probably over and done with and he's probably gonna be moving on to another destination.
1: So what would you say his price range would be out there for teams that are looking to maybe add a you know a guard to the rotation?
2: Yeah, so that's a really good question because – now, now, I just said, right, Boston's going to let them go. But if some team comes in with an offer of, you know, $6 million a year, well, at that point, the Celtics will match it and they'll figure all that out later. So I think what you have to do, you're going to have to come probably somewhere north of 10 $11, 12000000 in that, that general vicinity as an average annual value to get the Celtics to really have to think about, uh, what do we want to do here? Because there always is a balancing point where, you know, a guy is, you know, even if it's going to make you expensive and he's you know a backup and he's not a big part of your plans there's still a point where it's a value play and you match it and then you trade him three months later and say all right see you later we're going to trade you off to to a team so I think think in order to get the Celtics to really kind of have to swallow hard and say all right we're going to go a different direction you're going to have to look at that the other option I think that is a very realistic one on the table could be one where it involves Rozier in some form of sign-in trade where it delivers something back to Boston or it allows Boston to help facilitate a bigger trade, say, for a guy like Anthony Davis with another team as part of things as some money moves around on both sides.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. I know there's a lot of question marks with Terry Rozier. I keep saying it. I see so many Pacer fans on the fence about him. So if the Pacers were to go out and look at a Terry Rozier for their point guard, would he be a significant upgrade over a Colson and a Corey Joseph?
2: Yeah, I really don't think so. I, I think you are better off with a guy like Darren Collison. I, you know, it was one of those things that stood out to me when prepping for that Celtics-Pacers playoff series, just how good of a shooter Collison has become over the last few years. That wasn't something I really knew, so I think that's going to be really important for them. To retain yeah. a guy like him, and he's really steady. And then Corey Joseph is just a guy again, steady backup point guard. I think it's really important too at this stage to have guys who know what they are. And I think Joseph knows I'm a backup point guard whose job is to get after it defensively and you know really make things you know hard. And then when I'm in the game, run the offense, you know knock down shots if it comes my way, but not try and do too much. And I, I like those two guys. I I'm not at all against the Pacers trying to upgrade the point guard market. I just don't know that I would see Rogier as being the upgrade over, say, Collison or Joseph. Now, if you're talking about Collison for a four-year contract for some silly money, well, yeah, then you'd rather give it to Rogier who's only you know 24, 25 years old. That makes a lot more sense than giving it to Collison. But if you're talking about Collison for another couple of years, and then you know maybe maybe even a three-year deal where by the end he's transitioning into a backup role, then I think that makes a lot more sense for the Pacers.
1: Yeah, and I think my counter argument would have been the age factor because Carlson's, you know, over thirty years old now and he had injuries this year that took him a while to recover from and he said he's getting older so he doesn't heal as well as he used to. Uh, he's still I mean, he said he's a good shooter, but we saw in Boston how terrible of a defender he is. Very Dad. short, six foot, hundred and like seventy five pounds, one eighty something. Really, really small. And I was comparing him to the other point guards in the Eastern Conference playoffs right now, and his numbers just don't match up with those guys. So that's kind of one of the things that I looked at negatively with Carlson is just his size. He doesn't shoot the ball a lot, and his age is a big factor. So I guess that would be my counter argument. Maybe if I were looking at bringing in Rogier is just the age. And, you know, Oladipo seems to be a guy that really changed this culture here in Indiana from when Paul George was here. And you just got to wonder, maybe a guy like Terry Rozier, would he be influenced by that kind of environment that Victor Oladipo has set?
2: Yeah, I think he could be. I, now, my, my counter to that would be is he had some pretty good guys kind of setting the tone for him. Not not necessarily Kyrie this year. I think that has come has come out to to see how that went down. But but guys like Isaiah Thomas and Marcus Smart, I think what Rogier what attracted him new Celtics fans and kept them you know in on him for this long was he was this kind of scrappy, self made guy. He was yet another um, undersized guard that Danny Ainge. Drafted that couldn't shoot. So, you know, he fits that Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier role where it was like, you know, hey, you know, let's have all these guards who can't really shoot the ball. And, you know, we don't really know if they're point guards or shooting guards or what they are, but, you know, we'll figure it all out. And I think that's really become something that that's that's important because, you know, that's where fans you know attach to. And I always say, you know, these guys become our guys, right? You become more attached to, like, the Pacers. Everybody there loves Miles Turner, right? Because he's your guy. You've been watching him since he was a rookie. You've been watching him develop the things he you know, didn't do well. Maybe he's doing better now. And the things he did well, maybe he does great now and those kind of things. And I think that's that's where Rozier was, was becoming. But then the struggles this year, the failure to adapt to a new role, that's where I think it starts to be, all right, you know, hey, is this guy ever going to get it? And maybe a change of scenery is what he needs. I, I think there is something to that. So maybe he does. But but there that, that's a question you have to feel really confident in if you're you know Kevin Pritchard in the front office is, you know, I 100% believe that this guy's going to buy into what we're trying to do here. Because if you're not, then you're best to go in a different direction.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And I think my last point that I'd make just for the Pacers bringing in Rogier is I would love to see the competition between him and Aaron Holiday. Because Aaron Holiday, he said at the end of the season that his goal was to be the starter this year. And so if they brought in Rozier, I think, you know, maybe to start, that would really push Holiday to try to prove that he's better than Rozier. And I think that that, you know, competition within would be really fun to watch.
2: Yeah, no, I and, and I'm with you on that, and I think competition is a good thing as long as you don't go too far with it, which is I think what it ultimately ended up happening with the Celtics. Right. They just had too many mouths to try and feed. So if you're going to bring in Rozier and Holiday and let them really battle battle it out for the one two spots, that's fine. If you add, you know, you probably still want a veteran in the mix there, just somebody who's a little more steady of a hand that you know you can trust. But if you're bringing them in there to be but let's let's say you resign a guy like Collison for a year or two, then you bring in Rozier and say, "All right, now you and Holiday battle it out for that backup spot." I think you run the risk of not having either guy mm-hmm. versus one of the two guys winning, and that's you know obviously a really a situation you'd like to avoid.
1: Yeah. Well, Keith, I really appreciate it. Probably kept you a little bit longer, but just had some questions. I. Had to ask because I'm I'm fascinated by the Rozier uh, free agency this this year. So not necessarily for the Pacers, just I just interested to see what teams do with them. So uh, people can find you on Twitter at KeySmith NBA. That's correct.
2: Yeah, that is correct.
1: And did you did you have something come out recently for Real GM? Did I see that?
2: I I did. I'm I'm working on a series of team by team off previews. We we do them in order of elimination from the playoff picture. So Memphis Grizzlies were the most recent to go up. So yeah, got a way to work up to the playoff teams yet. Yeah, we're we're about uh, roughly uh, five six teams in, but we we'll, we're going to keep plugging away on those and try to get them all done before July 1st when this whole thing kicks off and gets crazy
1: awesome keith well i really appreciate the time and i hope you enjoy the draft lottery tonight and uh we'll probably talk to you again soon once this uh all these free agents settle down and we'll see who the pacers get
2: absolutely looking forward to it
1: all righty guys what'd you think of that conversation with keith smith he is not super high on terror as you probably would assume but he did say there are things that he brings to the table and you know, it's just an interesting thought. I, I think most of us would be in the fence of not wanting to bring it to Rozier, but at the end of the day, I think it would still good to review these guys. So make sure you check us out on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3. Check out our website, PacersTalk.net, and if you've missed any of the episodes, you can catch up underneath the setting the pace tab. And until next time, peace out, Pacer Nation. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.